especially with James Vince. Uh, he's coming in in some good form. I've seen it. Um, I played with him th this winter. Uh, I don't know what his price is like, but I think he'll. I think he'll be a good buy. From a batting point of view, uh, flipper Josh Felipe, I think, shown last year what he's capable of, and hopefully he can kick on and put another strong season together. And I think he'll be up there. Bad, I would probably pick Darcy Short, leading run scorer last two years in a row, I think, and he'd be very hard to leave out. Bowler. Um, well, I'll probably pick Tom Curran as a bowler because he bats as well, unfortunately. Go away. A bowler uh, will go with probably Rashid Khan. He's always pretty pretty steady, but he always does well, and uh, yeah, he'll probably be a safe bet. Keep it within our boys, I think. It's really impressive what I saw from Benny Dorsius last year. Oh, with good pace, swung the new ball, so probably have him in. Having said that, Sock, Sabah, there's plenty, plenty to choose from. I'm not going to look too far else for a bowler. I'm going to go with Sean Abbott as my bowler. Why not go with the guys who who were tried and tested and performed uh, so well for us over many years. You can be honest here, mate, would you pick yourself? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, gotta gotta back myself so I would, but yeah. So there is uh, some of the Supercoach BBL advice coming out of the Sydney Sixers camp. They're uh, one of the most popular teams heading into BBL 09, uh, but it is pretty much panic stations page, isn't it? Uh, we're only about uh, 24 hours or so, a little bit longer out from uh, the start of BBL 09. Uh, there's still plenty of tinkering to be done for our Supercoach BBL teams. And uh, yeah, Tim Mitchell, myself, and Paige Cardona, obviously from uh, Fox Sports joining you. Uh, hopefully we can help you out with some of the questions um, that you've got regarding your teams. But uh, Paige, you released your team over the weekend. Um, you made any changes since then? Yeah, Tim, it's pretty exciting. We are, as you said, uh, about 24 hours away from the first ball being bowled of the uh, BBL 09 season. So for us super coach freaks, it is, uh, it's, we're starting to get a little bit excited. But um, I did release my team over the weekend and I can confirm there have been probably at least half a dozen changes just this morning alone. Um, the big news, obviously, that... Marcus Stoinis is going to open the batting for um, for Melbourne is just going to be um, that's thrown my team particularly into a bit of a bit of a tailspin at the moment. Um, I've got a bit of FOMO of actually starting without him um, on price alone. If he starts the season on fire, he is just going to be that much harder to get into my team. And um, I think you know. He, he's just a. We saw last year his his ceiling is just unmatched. It's unlike any other, and at that price point, it does make it hard because it means I have to make some make some cuts that I'm probably uh, feeling a little bit so far. So I've still got a little bit of tinkering to do. Yeah, definitely the case. You're looking at about two hundred eighty thousand for Marcus Stoinis, but I can understand why you want him because if you take out those first three or four games from the start of last season when he was batting at number four or five for the Stars. You're looking at an average of about 105, 110 points a game, which is just ridiculous. And uh, he peaked at about 350,000 in price. So he's actually starts about 70,000 under his peak price from last season as well. So it seems ridiculous to suggest, but there is that real possibility that he starts at 278,000. And if he goes bonkers in the first couple of games, you might actually be paying more than that come his double in round five. And I'm much like you, Paige, that um, yeah, in the last 24 hours or so since it became evident that uh, he's going to be opening the batting for the Stars, I've been looking for a way to get him in. Uh, probably going to start without Darcy Short and risk him at this stage. Um, they're the two uh, players that score average above 90 risk, points. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I definitely think so. But yeah, I think Marcus Stoinis is, is is close to a lock now. Is um, yeah, it's sort of any of the double game week players in that. Um, yeah, first in that in that first round as well. I'm looking for a way to get him in uh, as you are at the moment. Do you hold any fears that you know if the stars go in with those five bowlers, then it's going to cut his opportunity with the ball down, and maybe that's going to restrict any of his points? Or are you just really sold on him as a batsman first and foremost? Yeah, not not really all that concerned about his bowling. I, if anything, um, he's, I think he's been in better form with the ball than the bat in the Marsh Cup and uh, the Sheffield Shield for WA as well. He was uh, one of the leading wicket takers in, I think, the Marsh Cup and bowling pretty well too in uh, in the Red Bull stuff. So, no, I think he'll bowl reasonably prominently for the Stars and probably bowl sort of minimum three, mostly four overs in a lot of the games as well. So, yeah, I think he's going to have a really important role and um, from memory scored pretty well down in... Uh, in Mowie where the Stars play sort of early on in the tournament. Um, and I think in the in the first game as well, they've got the Brisbane Heat as well, who probably don't have sort of the strongest bowling lineup in the competition, albeit no, they've got some real firepower up the top of the order. So I think that could be a real runs fest in the last game of round one. And, and Marcus Stoinis could really be one that uh, cashes in there. Now, speaking of uh, heat, the top of the order for the heat, uh, a guy you've been pretty hot on, and so have I, uh, Tom Banton. I mean, you've been all over this across the weekend and in these trial games, Tim. Um, tell us about what's been happening with him. Yeah, so scored 121 off, I think it was close to 40 balls playing for Winner Manly in uh, Queensland Premier Cricket on the weekend, which is just ridiculous. Um, the boundaries are pretty small, and he's playing in grade cricket, which is uh, obviously a different level to the Big Bash League, but this is uh, a guy that has already been compared to, to Kevin Peterson. If you listen to any of Michael Vaughan's commentary during the test, uh, when there was some Big Bash League discussion, he's saying this guy is just going to take the Big Bash League by storm, second leading run scorer behind uh, Bubba's arm in the uh, Vitality Blast over in England, made his uh, 2020 international debut against New Zealand, and, and now he's coming out and blast 120 or 40 balls, which I don't care what level of cricket it is, really. Um, that's a pretty special knock. Any of the weekend battlers that go out there and, and play would love to make that sort of score regardless of, of what level they're playing at. So I think he went from, yeah, maybe a speculative pick um, certainly, was, he gained popularity after he picked up the wicketkeeper status to, um, yeah, just about a lock for round one after that innings on the weekend. I know it's a different level and people have questioned why I think that he's a lock based on um, one innings in grade cricket, but a guy that can play that sort of innings is just pretty special. And I was tossing up between him and Max Bryan, but I think Tom Banton out of those two pages is probably the safer of the two now. Do, do you agree with that or is uh, would, would you be sort of still uh, weighing up Max Bryant? No, I think, I mean, as you said, I think now, you know, we know we've seen some form now from Ben to suggest that his first um, his first BBL season on Australian soil is going to be, well, it looks pretty pretty solid already um, if you can translate that form into the actual competition proper um, and having wicketkeeper status as well. So having that flex between keeper and, and batting is just, you know, it, it, it makes it easier. Make, it's a real sell for me. I think Max Bright had a pretty good season last year, um, particularly, you know, he started at first drop, then got up the order and started opening. And, um, you know, he'll do that again this year. But I just think Banton's just probably got a bit, you know, he'll probably, I would say he's going to be a specialist hitter. I don't think he's going to keep, um, which is good news for Jimmy Pearson. Um, and having Pearson on the bench provides, again, more flexibility. But um, Banton, for me, just seems a bit of a lock. But based on those uh, Glovemans, him, 
we've got Tom Banton, Josh Felipe, we've got Sam Harper, who've all been on trial during, uh, sorry, have all been on fire, sorry, during the trial matches. Um, and Pearson as well has put in some pretty good form too. What way are you leaning at the moment when it comes to Gloven? Yeah, so Jimmy Pearson dug Queensland out of a bit of a hole in the Marsh Cup final, didn't he? Only 62K. And uh, funnily enough, he's actually the most popular player at the moment. Um, number one, the, isn't he? Yeah, we updated the top 50 list this morning and his ownership's at 46.9% at the moment. So that's ahead of uh, Darcy Short, who's number two. So I think a lot of people are pretty happy to stash him on the bench and pick up a, a potential um, price rise in round one. I don't really understand it personally. I'd rather go for um, Peter Neville, who's my backup keeper at the moment. He's been re-added to the game in, in the last week or so in the interest of fairness and because uh, a lot of people uh, held on to him after he was um, cut from the Sixers squad, but he has been re-added. Unless he signs for another Big Bash League team, he's effectively a loophole keeper for the whole season, which for those that aren't all that familiar, you can name a vice-captain early in the round. Um, if you've got, say, Peter Neville, for example, you can then put him on your field, put the captaincy on him and double up from your vice-captain, um, which is what I'm planning on doing. Uh, with that backup wicket-keeper role, I've got Tom Bent and Josh Phillippe, which will be uh, a pretty popular combination. I've seen a few people um, still keen on Matthew Gilks as well, who's pretty highly rated up in New South Wales. He's only 96,700 and has a double in round one too. So, look, you could, probably, you could almost get away with going three wicket-keepers in round one if you really wanted. Um, but, yeah, I'll be leaning towards two and just going with uh, Tom Banton and, and Josh Phillippe, which seems to be um, sort of the, the common sense of prim- uh, approach at the moment, which isn't all that familiar, uh, all that common for me, Paige, really, because I, I am more of a point of difference person generally. So I don't know why, but, um, yeah, leaning towards sort of playing the percentages early on and um, just trying to stay with the pack in the first few rounds. Uh, so Paige has just dropped out. Um, we'll get her back shortly, but I am still here um, in the Herald Sun office. So we'll, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll answer a few of the questions that have come in from the punters on our Supercoach BBL Facebook page uh, at the moment. And we should say as well for uh, all the football fans that um, David Avudovic and the crew from News Football will be coming up very shortly with their own live video over on the A-League Confidential page. But Chirant says, will Chris Morris play in the first game, which is tomorrow night between the Sydney Thunder and the Brisbane Heat up at the Gabba? It's a great question. We don't know yet. Uh, The squads for that game and uh, possibly the second game of the round are are scheduled to come out a bit later today. There was a rumour going around, uh, yeah, which we take with a bit of grain of salt, um, that uh, Chris Morris might still be over in, and there's Paige rejoining us over in the Fox Sports Studios, uh, where there's been a bit of a BBL launch. I think Talk of Warney getting painted over in Paige's office um, early this morning. So you can check out those videos on Fox Sports and uh, the Herald Sun Facebook page. But uh, Paige, we we're just saying uh, one of the questions that's come in relates to Chris Morris's availability for the Thunder. So I reckon uh, he was one of the locks of round one if he was going to be here. I've uh, been playing for the Nelson Mandela Bay Giants in the Manzi Super League. And because his team went reasonably deep in that competition, there was a rumour flying around yesterday that he probably won't be here for round one. Well, certainly the first game of round one anyway as well, which I think if he doesn't play game one, well, he effectively, he becomes a one-game player, doesn't he? So 
very tough to pick him if he's not going to be here for uh, tomorrow night's game against the Heat, which the great news for super coaches is um, as long as you're uh, in play and, and you can get onto your phone or get onto your computer in that last hour or so before the game, we'll, we'll know the 11 for both teams before then. So with unlimited changes, uh, you could have Chris Morris in your team up until an hour before the game. And at 125K, you could still make a, a late change and um, punt him from your team if he, he doesn't make it here in time. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um... Uh, so we lost Paige again there. Uh, her reception, uh, unfortunately, not all that good. So I'll keep whipping through um, some of the questions from uh, the Supercoach BBL Facebook page. The next one came in from Fabian Dunstan, John O'Cook or Chris Green from the Thunder. Uh, Fabian, if I was looking uh, between those two options, and I have had Chris Green in my side uh, a few times in the last couple of days with all the tinkering that I've had going on, I'd definitely be going for Chris Green. I think that... Um, yeah, he's, his economy rate has been great. He's a T20 specialist now as well. He's signed a long-term deal with the Sydney Thunder. I think he's going to captain Birmingham over in uh, the Vitality Blast as well. That's uh, how highly they rate him. Uh, but why I think he, he's got the edge over John O'Cook is based on the fact that uh, you're potentially going to pick up a few batting points as well with him. In one of the trial games, uh, he batted in the top four or top five for uh, the Sydney Thunder. So I don't think about that high regularly. But, yeah, if I was tossing up between Chris Green and John O'Cook based on uh, possible uh, batting points, I'd be going for Chris Green. They are similarly priced with uh, Green a little bit cheaper as well. Um, just in a sec, we're going to bring Paige back in too and we'll get her thoughts on uh, a question from uh, one of our mates out there who's pretty active um, in the Supercoach BBL community, Geordie Barr. He, uh, he's tossing up between a couple options, Paige. Ashton Agar and Caleb Jewell or Will Sutherland and Sam Harper who whacked 100 off 46 balls in a trial game this morning if you haven't caught up with the news between the Renegades and the Melbourne Stars at the Junction Oval. So what do you think of those two pairings, Paige? Are you going for Ashton Agar and Caleb Jewell or Will Sutherland and Sammy Harper? Geordie Barr, good bloke. Definitely uh, getting around the traps of super coach across all formats. But um, I'm on the Gades boys. I think uh, Sam Harper's really flown under the radar for me and I'm really happy to see this sort of form um, from him particularly this morning um, when you tweeted that, Tim, that was definitely encouraging to see. I think last year we saw Harper really kind of come into his own um, in the back half of the season and certainly impacted during finals. So I'm more of a Harper fan at this stage, so that's the way I'd be, uh, I'd be going. And uh, we might just whip through a couple of questions as well before we fire back into our talking points. Uh, Isaac Place says, what are our thoughts on... Liam Livingston, he's another that fired in a trial game. Um, intra-club between the Perth Scorchers a few days ago, made 50 off 21 balls. Um, considering he's got a double game week in round three, Paige, uh, is Livingston one that you'd be looking at uh, as a potential bench pick and maybe carrying him over um, yeah, with that double game week in mind? Yeah, look, it's not a bad option. I also think Livingston's probably going to be someone that people might be scrambling for. Um, he's going to bat pretty high up the order, if not open, for the Scorchers. And um, I just think he presents as a really good point of difference. And I think early in the season, to give yourself the best opportunity to get off to a good start, you kind of want to give yourself a little bit of separation on the competition. And Livingston, for me, is that perfect guy. Um, when we wrote our sort of 10 fearless, 15 fearless predictions for this this season, um, Livingston was mentioned as a guy that, you know, would be a real great, unique option that's probably going to be... Um, you know, very sought after very quickly. Uh, next question comes from Barkley McGain. Um, I 
I'm sort of raising eyebrows at this one. I'm not sure if it's serious or not, Paige, but he says, uh, thoughts on captaining a potential breakout player and pod in Tanvir Sanger from Sydney Thunder for the double game week could really turn the tables. But I'm not even sure that Sanger's going to be in their round one team. So, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be pulling that move, even if he's named for, for game week one. I'm, I'm very wary of um, picking too many players that might play one game could potentially have a bad performance and then be out of the team the next game. And that's why yeah, I'm tossing up, say, a player like Arjunair as well from Sydney Thunder who got 40 and took three wickets in a trial game against the Sixers a few nights ago. I look at someone like him and think, well, they've got so many all-rounders in that team. Chris Morris could potentially arrive midway through the round as well. Do you really want to risk picking a guy for one game that could potentially get left out for the next game? And not only would you'd be risking that with Tampi Sanger. But if you've got the captaincy on him as well, um, yeah, it could be all sorts of trouble if he, say, doesn't fire in game one, even if he does get picked. Um, yeah, so I definitely wouldn't be taking too many risks in round one. I'm leaning towards playing the percentages, as I said, in round one, just keeping up with the pack, and then you can start to set yourselves apart, uh, set yourself apart with your captaincy and your trades um, after round one or round two um, as you get deeper into the season. What do you think, Paige? Yeah, look, it's... Look, on the captaincy thing, you know, purely first and foremost for round one, I I don't mind taking risks, but I just feel in round one I've got you, – you almost want to play it a bit safe. So obviously going with those double game week guys, um, moving into – I mean, uh, there's a lot of options for round one. I haven't settled on one yet. I think Karen's probably the way that I'm leaning towards maybe maybe loophole, sorry loopholing Banton or uh, Lynn even um, in the first game. But um, yeah, I just think you know really picking guys that might be around for you know one or two games and then miss out on the next game and then come back in. You kind of want consistency in your team and obviously limiting the the trading that's happening to where you can. Um, that just to me makes a lot of sense. So we mentioned the Sydney Six as a very popular page and a question from Jake Scott. Uh, who would you start out of James Vince, who's 139K, and Daniel Hughes, who's 115K, uh, one of the form batsmen going into the BBL after uh, making plenty of runs in the Marsh Cup and the Sheffield Shield. Yeah, I'm I'm very 50-50 on that call because James Vince has been pretty impressive in uh, in the Manti Super League and also for England against New Zealand as well. Who do you like out of those two? Look, I'm an unabashed Hughes fan. I, I love him. I think, you know, again, form player coming into the competition. Uh, he's about a 115K price point from memory. Um, super affordable, um, huge ceiling and upside. And I think what we're really starting to see from him is, you know, he's going to really elevate himself into that top echelon um, of BBL players. And, I mean, look, really, as he, Vince as well, there's so many cases for him too. And, and out of, I think, people probably be leaning towards Hughes probably based on what we've seen leading into the competition. But... I think Vince, if you're going to, if you really want to, again, we talk about point of difference and maybe getting a bit of a unique pick in, Vince is probably the guy. But um, for me, I'm on I'm on Hughes. I like his price point too. It works with my um, my cap spread. Yeah, well, I was going through that um, top 50 and just, uh, yeah, pulling it up on my notes now, Paige, and I actually was surprised by how low uh, Daniel Hughes features on that list. So he's 39th overall at the moment, 11.8. 
0.5%. Uh, so that was a bit lower than I thought. I actually thought he'd be closer to maybe, say, one in five teams. So he's even close to um, point of difference territory, which is sort of anywhere below 10%, which did surprise me a little bit um, when you consider that uh, some, some of the players around his price point, say someone like Ben McDermott's in the top 25 at the moment. He's $3,000 more and doesn't have a double game week until uh, game week 12 with the Hobart Hurricanes. So, yeah, I, I definitely really like Daniel Hughes. And, um, yeah, I think James Vince is a, a fair bit popular, uh, more popular than him at the moment as well. So 25K can make a big difference in your team when, say, you're trying to squeeze Darcy Short or Marcus Stoinis in as well. So if I was tossing up between those two, um, I'd probably go for uh, Daniel Hughes as well. Um, Matthew Annette says, and you already mentioned one of yours, Paige, in Tom Curran, but uh, who are we looking at for uh, vice captain and captaincy suggestions for round one? Yeah, look, I tell you what, it is, it's it's something that I'm really kind of playing around with. And I think, you know, once we start getting this 24 hours out, we really start paying attention to who we're going to potentially captain and then loophole. Um, Obviously, the Heat and the Thunder will get things uh, off to a start tomorrow night. Um, I'm thinking of probably starting either Banton or Lynn as that that vice captain um, on the home deck at the Gabba. Uh, failing that, I am just a huge Tom Curran fan. Um, he'd probably be my pick for, for captain. And again, you know, again, we're talking about these guys that um, have the double game week. So you're making the most of points available. So obviously it is an absolute must for those of you who are new to the game. It is an absolute must to loophole uh, or captain someone that has the double game week. You're getting two bites of the cherry, so you're getting an inflated opportunity to get maximum points. So if you, you know, if your player scores 150 points to spread across two games and they're your captain, that's a 300-point win for your team. So for me, um, I like Curran. Um, I like one of the Heat guys. In saying that, so, um, you know, Uzi, I'm kind of, playing around with Kawaja as well, potentially as a loophole. And um, at the moment, I am carrying, you know, Weatherald on my bench um, in anticipation for round two. Again, this is to really kind of fit in Stoinis. And, um, you know, for me, he's a quick quick guy I can pull onto the uh, onto field and, and place as a, um, a loophole option. So, um, yep, I'm all about current at this stage. What about yourself, Tim? Well, I've sort of gone down the obvious path for a fair bit of preseason and thought Chris Lynn will be the man. Ever since he came into my team, just makes sense. Playing first game of the round, huge ceiling. Um, yeah, he could could go um, bonkers in that first game and, and you've got an easy captaincy option. But just in the last week or so, I just wavered slightly and, and maybe it's down to the man love I've got for him. But I'm thinking uh, Daniel Sams in the first game. Hits a big ball, takes wickets. Um, yeah, he's going to bolt the death more than likely as well. I, ju- I just think he ticks just about every box in Supercoach BBL. So um, he's probably going to bat, especially if Chris Morris isn't there too, you think his role is going to be prominent for the Thunder. So that potentially elevates him one spot in the batting order, almost guarantees he's going to bowl four overs, potentially in both games as well, if Morris doesn't make it here for um, Sydney Thunder's game, uh, I think which is a couple of days into the first round as well. So BBL starting on the 17th, I believe they've got a game again on the 19th against the Renegades too. So it's a pretty quick turnaround for the Thunder. Um, yeah, I see a lot of upside in, in Daniel Sams as well. And then you've got 
um, put that potential leg up on the competition as well. If, say, Chris Lynn went out there in the first game, had a low score, and then other coaches were tossing out what to do, um, someone like Daniel Sams that could bowl four overs, even if he didn't have a great first game, um, still got to pick up some points through his dot balls and potentially his economy rate as well as maybe a wicket here or there too. So, um, yeah, he's the way I'm leaning at the moment, but I think Chris Lynn's a pretty solid option. Tom Banton could go really well in that first game too. And, um, yeah, I have seen a lot of people, as you mentioned there, um, yeah, tossing up Usman Kawaja too, who has a ridiculous record in the Big Bash League. Um, and as I said, I don't um, sort of fancy Brisbane Heat's bowling attack all that much too, so he could have a pretty good start to the tournament. So, um, yeah, that's that's the way I'd be looking, Paige. Um, but, yeah, look, who knows? It's it's that crazy 24 hours where, like, really anything could happen. Who knows who's going to be in my team in 24 hours' time? You do, you do so much planning. You do all these team reveals and um, you just throw everything out the window with 24 hours to go, and that's probably the the biggest danger for I guess a lot of new coaches as well if like we live this stuff and um, we spend a fair bit of our life talking about it and thinking about it and, and even we um, are susceptible to being sucked into